this week we've taken turns catching the Vancouver crud. Uh, it's like the McClinic crud. You know, it, it takes a little while to get over it. And I called my daughter last night. I said, Maria, you need to pray for me, honey, because I don't know if I can get up in the morning and go preach. She said, well, Daddy, I'm going to call the church ladies. And we have a group of ladies in our church. We call them the church ladies. And boy, they know how to pray. They know how to get things done. And so they pray. And about an hour later, man, I just broke out in a sweat. And I started feeling better. And Jeremy's been filling me with medicine and hot tea. So, but it's an amazing thing about the Lord that I can be sick as a dog. But the moment I stand up to preach, I'm healed. I don't feel anything. I, I feel good. And so grateful to the Lord for that. I shared earlier that my wife went through dialysis for five years. And uh, three times a week I would take her to get her treatments. And uh, I took notes during those five years. And the scripture that I use is found in, in Psalm 84, where the psalmist says that when you go through the valley of Baca, that's the valley of tears, the valley of suffering, the valley of pain, uh, to dig a well. And if you dig a well, God will refresh you. And so I wrote a sermon, I'm not going to preach it this morning, but I wrote a sermon entitled, Lessons from the Well. And God has shown me 17 lessons from the well. And, uh, and it was a learning time. Uh, the last six months of the five years was rough. It was rough on her. And uh, one day, we're in the bedroom, and she's laying down, and we're talking, and she got real serious. She said, honey, I said, yeah, mama, what is it? She said, I don't have, I don't have much longer. I don't have very long. Time's short, and I'm going home. And I didn't know what to say. What would you say? I didn't know what to say. She said, did you hear me? I said, yes, mama, I heard you. She says, I don't have much longer. So I went over and sat next to her, pulled her in real close, and I whispered in her ear, Mama, could you wait till after football season? <laughs> and she started laughing. She just started laughing. I didn't know what else to say. What else could I tell her? Did I tell you about her telling me to get married? I told it to the Spanish group. Oh, man, we had a great time Friday, Friday night with the Spanish group. It was wonderful. And so one day, well, about six months before she passed, she got said, you know, I've been thinking. I said, what, Mama? She said, when I go home to be with the Lord, I want you to remarry. I said, you out of your mind. I said, where am I going to find a woman that will love me as much as you love me? And that I'll love as much as I love you. She said, well, I don't want you to be lonely. I want you to remarry. I said, well, Mama, maybe you're right. I said, Mama, what do you think? 25 to 30-year-old? <laughs> Blonde, blue eye? She looked at me and she said, are you crazy? <laughs> She'll kill you. I said, it could be. But it's going to take the funeral director two weeks to wipe the smile off my face. <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of things. We laughed a lot and we cried. 
And the whole time, God was faithful. He's faithful. Take your Bibles and turn with me. This is the 23rd Psalm. When you know the Good Shepherd. 23rd Psalm. If you're able to stand, will you please stand in honor and reverence the reading of God's holy word and then remain standing for prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his holy word. Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful for this day and for the many blessings that are ours. But most of all, Father, we thank you for Jesus and how precious he is to us. And Lord, here we are again. We're a needy people desperately needing to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear from you. Speak to our hearts and meet us, Father, at the point of our greatest need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. One of my favorite themes found in the Word of God is that of the shepherd and sheep relationship. It's a beautiful picture. In Psalm 23, David talks about an intimate relationship with God. In John chapter 10, Jesus is a good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Peter says he's the shepherd of our soul. El pastor de mi alma. That is so beautiful in Spanish. The prophet said he's the shepherd of Israel. But David said he's my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, when you know the good shepherd, you will have everything you need. Now, you're not going to have everything you want unless if what you want is in accordance to God's will, then he will give you the desires of your heart. What is the desire of your heart this morning? What is the desire of your heart? If you delight in the Lord, he'll give it to you. That's what he said. Now, I don't know about you, but, but, but I, you know, I, I believe this book. I believe these promises. If he said it, that's good enough for me. See, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The provision is already there before you have the need. You got to write that down. That's good. The provision is already there. What you need tomorrow is already there. What you need next week is already there. What you need next year is already there. It's in the warehouse. The provision is there before you have the need. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. For three years, the Florida Baptist Convention, I was with them for 22 years, we had a partnership with Tanzania. And I went twice for 19 days each time. And it was wonderful. I love Africa. Love the people there. And, 
And the second trip, I was going to be in an area where there's no electricity. So I was trying to get ready, and I prepared. I got two guitars. I had two guitars to take because that's what they used to worship. And I had 80 pounds of hard candy because I was going to be in an area where children had never eaten candy. Now, the Swahili word for candy, don't laugh when I tell you this, the Swahili word for candy is pee-pee. Pee-pee. So when the kids would see me, they would say, Papa pee-pee, Papa pee-pee. And they would line up, and I'd give them candy. And uh, I had my Bible. I had notes. The, my work at the convention wouldn't stop. I still had to prepare seminars. and So I had all that. And I grabbed a handful of pencils. And they weren't sharpened yet and put them in my suitcase. And I went to bed and I thought, you know, I should have gotten a pencil sharpener. I should have gone into the boys' bedroom and stole one of the pencil sharpeners. But I was so tired that I thought, before I go to the airport, I'll go in and get it. Well, I forgot all about the pencil sharpener. We landed in Amsterdam and from Amsterdam we were flying to Tanzania. And I remember that flight because there were missionaries with their children going to the first post as missionaries. And it was good to fellowship with them. And we landed in Kilimanjaro. You could see the mountain with the snow. And most of the people got off. I stayed on the plane because I still had to go to Dar es Salaam, the capital of Tanzania. And they were coming in to clean the plane. And I was going through my list. I got the guitars. I got the 50 pairs of sandals that some lady in South Florida called me and said, Brother Rios, I got 50 pairs of brand new sandals. Can you use them? And I thought, yeah. People that walk barefooted, they've been be great gifts for the pastor's wife and the ladies in the church. So, and, and I went through it. And I remember, you got the pencils, and then I realized, you forgot the pencil sharp. And I thought, what am I going to do? See, there's no 7-Elevens. There's no little corner grocery stores. There's no Walmart. They were about 50 years behind the times. And so, what am I going to do? And I remember this verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that one was a pencil sharpener. I didn't know how. But I knew before I got on that airplane. And the next stop, I'd have a pencil sharpener. And I started thanking God for the pencil shop. I said, Lord, thank you for the pencil shop. Thank you, Lord, that it's already there. Because your word teaches me that the provision is there before I have the need. The provision is there. And they were getting closer and closer, picking up trash, cleaning the plane. And I happened to look across the aisle, and right next to the seat was a little blue pencil sharpener. See, when we got on the plane in Amsterdam, it was an all-night flight. So they gave the kids uh, coloring books and pencils and pencil sharpeners. And one of those little boys must have dropped it. But see, I got excited, not because I saw the pencil sharpener. I got excited because before I realized that I forgot the pencil sharpener, God already had the pencil sharpener waiting for me. The provision is always there before you have the need. That's why we shouldn't be worrying about anything. Is always 
there. And when I saw it, I literally dove and grabbed it before they picked it up, threw it in the trash. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A little girl read that, and this is the way she read it. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. I like that. See, when you have the good shepherd, when you know the good shepherd, you have everything you'll ever need. But not only that, when you know the good shepherd, you don't have to fear death. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy step and thy rod, they comfort me. You don't have to be afraid of death. It's a mystery. Walking with my wife those six months and seeing the hand of the Lord, two days before the Lord came to get my wife, two days, she's in bed and I'm in the room and I'm trying to make her laugh and giving her a hard time and she looked at me real serious. I said, Mama, what's going on? And she smiled. And she said, he's here. I said, really? She said, he's here. And I got real close to her. And I said, Mama, Mama, tell me, tell me. What does he look like? What does he look like? And she was smiled. And she would say, oh, honey, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's king of kings. But he's beautiful. He's Lord of Lord, but he's beautiful. He's beautiful. And she would just smile and she would reach out to him. He's beautiful. See, when that death angel comes knocking around your heart's door and you know the good shepherd, you got nothing to fear. He'll give you peace. There was peace. The night my wife went home to be with the Lord, one of my boys, who's a traveling nurse, came in. 5.30 that morning. And he spent time with her. And on the way out, he, he, was on, he was driving to Phoenix, Arizona for a nursing gig. And he said, Dad, Mama's time is real, real short. He saw many people die of COVID in the hospital. And, and he understands death. And he said, it won't be long. I started calling the kids. And two of my boys were on the road. Three of my boys driving big trucks for UPS, and two of them were on the road. I was from Jacksonville. And the dispatcher called and said, turn around, come on back home. You need to be home. Some of my grandbabies were there, and they're in bed crawling around her, lying next to her. About 7.30, my son's older son's wife, said, Dad, I think Mom's gone. I said, no, no, she's not gone yet. You know, you live with a woman 50 years, you learn a few things. And I know, knew her. About quarter till eight, she just took one last breath. Peacefully. And she was gone. There was no hysterics. Nobody was screaming. Oh, we cry? Of course we cry. I've been there. When God's called the sinner to give an account, and I've seen family members beat their heads against the wall in the hospital room because they knew it was too late. It wasn't that way for us. 
I've seen them run across the room and try and put their fists through a wall because they knew it was too late. It wasn't that way with us. It was a peaceful transition. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And God delights in the presence of his saints. Do you know that we're a delight to him on the last moment? We bring him joy on the last moment. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil. I was preaching a meeting years ago near Fort Worth, Texas. And I stayed with the Anthony's. And they were poor. I mean, they were so poor that poor people called them poor. That's how poor they were. But you know, they were very generous. And I had such a great week with that family. And the next year, they invited me back. And the pastor said, there's a new hotel down the street, Brother Rios. And we got you. We served a beautiful room. And, but the Anthony's won't know if you stay with them. I said, cancel the room. I'll stay with them. When they took me to the address, it wasn't where I had stayed before. Instead of that simple, humble house, there was this beautiful mansion. Their business had increased so much in a year. And they were just as generous with the much as when they didn't have much. And they went to work some, uh, Monday morning and forgot to tell me the maid was coming in to clean the house. Well, I'm in the back bedroom. I'm dressed and I'm having my devotion and I know in a little while the pastor's coming for me, but I could hear somebody walking through the house. You know how spooky that is? When you're in somebody's house and you're supposed to be there by yourself and you hear somebody walking through the house. And I thought, I got to do something. I just can't sit here. I'm going to go find out who it is. And so I decided I'm going to find him. And I was talking to myself. I, I said, what are you going to do when you find him? I said, well, I'm just going to sit on him. And wait for the law to get here. And I searched that house, and I couldn't find anyone. But I knew there was someone in that big house. And I got to the kitchen, and I went in this door, and that dear lady came in the other door. She didn't know I was in the house. And when she saw me, she let out a scream. You could hear it 10 miles away. And when she screamed, I said, lady, lady, come down, come down. I'm Brother Rios. I'm Pastor Rios. I, I didn't. I didn't know what I was saying. I just wanted to come down. I said, go ahead and do your work. Pastor will be here in a little while to pick me up, and, 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 and I'll be gone. They had a big room with game tables, ping pong table, and there was a pool table. <coughs> so I went over there and started shooting pool so she could hear those balls hitting each other. But she would come by and stand over there by the corner pocket, and she would ask me questions, and I kept thinking, Lord, what doesn't this woman Go do her work, leave me alone. And she here she come again. She did that three, four times. And the Lord said, minister to her. I said, all right. She came by and I said, you know, you've asked me a lot of questions. And I've answered them. But I need to ask you one question. She said, go ahead. I said, it's a personal question. She said, go ahead. I said, have you ever come to that place in your life where you've asked God to forgive you and by faith, You've asked Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And she said, Mr. Rios, I'm Catholic. I said, that's good. I'm glad you have your religion. But what kind of Catholic are you? She said, what do you mean? I said, well, there's two kinds of Catholics. And 
There's two kinds of Baptists, and there's two kinds of Methodists, and there's two kinds of Presbyterians. She said, what are the two kinds? I said, those that have been born again and those that haven't. I was witnessing to an executive not long ago on a plane, and somehow he found out I was Baptist, and he got upset with me. And he said, do you think only the Baptists are going to heaven? I said, no, sir. About half of the Baptists are going to heaven. <laughs> the other half, we can't find them. You know, so, uh, so I said, which kind are you? She said, well, which kind are you? And I said, well, I'm the kind that has been born again. And so I just shared the plan of salvation with her. And she started crying. And I said, if I've offended you, will you forgive me? She said, you didn't offend me. I said, then why are you crying? Now, the little time we talked, I could tell she was a good woman, a good wife, a good mother, a religious person. She believed in God. She went to church every week. But she didn't know God. She said, I'm so afraid that I'm going to die and go to hell. That shocked me when she said that. So I turned to this scripture. Listen to what David said when you know the good shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I said, is there any reason why you cannot pray with me right now and there's a good shepherd to come into your heart? She said, no. I said, would you like to pray with me and ask Jesus in your heart? She said, yes. I wasn't asking her to be a Baptist. God forbid. I was asking her to have a relationship with God through Christ. And we bow our head. She asked God to forgive her. Of course he forgave her. She asked Jesus to come into her heart. He came into her heart. And when we finished praying, I said, where is Jesus? She said, in my heart. I knew it. You know how I could tell? Her rostro, her countenance had changed. There was no fear. Perfect love will cast out fear. There was no fear. When you know the good shepherd, you have everything you need. When you know the good shepherd, you don't have to fear death. And then lastly, when you know the good shepherd, you have a heavenly home. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I have a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where it will never grow old. The day before my wife went home to be with the Lord, her sister called from, from Houston. And her sister had spent a week and a half with my wife. And she just called to check on her. I put the phone on speaker, so, and my wife was still speaking. And I said, Mama. She said, what? I said, Mama, will you do me a favor? She said, what? I said, I know you're going to be with the Lord soon. Will you go see the Lord for me and ask him for a favor? She said, what? I said, when you get there and you go see him, he already is going to know what I want. So he knows everything. But she said, Lord, my husband wanted me to ask you for a favor. What's the favor? Well, my husband said, Lord, when he comes up here, when you call him to heaven, 
and you take him to his mansion, please don't let my mother live next door to him. <laughs> and she laughed, and her sister was laughing, and I laughed. But I would mind if, if Grandmother Philman was my neighbor in, in heaven. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He said, goodness and mercy shall follow me. My second boy, Philip, did two tours in Iraq. It's a miracle he's alive. They blew up a vehicle he drove. He's a, he was a policeman. His first tour, he was a bodyguard for a two-star general. Second tour, he was working at a police station training Iraqi policemen. And he would call me, and we would talk for hours on the phone. Sometimes about nothing. We just, I just wanted to hear his voice. You know, as a parent, you hear their voice. You can tell whether they're okay or not. You, you can, we can tell. We're parents. And we're talking, and I hear dogs barking in the background. I said, Philip, are those Iraqi dogs or, or are those military dogs? He said, no, they're Iraqi dogs. And to the Iraqis, dogs are an abomination. They don't care. And when Philip and the guys would show up to the police station, these funny-looking dogs would show up, and they started cleaning the dogs and putting flea collars on them and feeding them. And Philip said, Dad, when we go to sleep at night, the dogs sleep under our vehicle. They're outside. And if anybody attempts to attack us, the dogs will sound a warning. And when he said that, I thought of what David said. I thought of what he said. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I wrote his daughter a letter right after that. And I said, Rosie, I just talked to your daddy, and he told me about the dogs. And I said, you know, guys using dogs to protect your daddy, to let him know when the enemy's coming. And I said, why don't we name two of those dogs? I think G. Campbell Morgan was the first one to name them. And I used those names concerning the Bible. I said, we're going to call one goodness, and we're going to call one mercy. Because goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, when you know the good shepherd, you got everything you need. When you know the good shepherd, you don't have to fear death. And when you know the good shepherd, you have a heavenly home. Do you know the good shepherd? Let's pray. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Perhaps this morning God spoke into your heart. And you realize, Brother Rios, I know, I know about the Good Shepherd. I've heard about him all my life, but I don't know him intimately. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. Right there where you sit, you can know him. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like to pray this prayer where you sit, 
You can pray this prayer and simply invite the good shepherd to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. The most important thing is the attitude of your heart. You can simply pray, dear God, be merciful to me a sinner. Dear God, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. That he died for me and that he rose from the dead. And dear God, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me and for saving my soul today. Now help me to live for you each day with every head bow and every eye closed. If you pray this simple prayer and you ask him to come into your heart, will you do me a favor? Will you slip up a hand, slip it back down so I can remember you in prayer? Surrender. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Fathers, we come to this time of commitment as we invite folks to come to your altar. Give them the strength, give them the courage to obey you. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that we stand as we come to this time of commitment. We open up the altar. We invite you to come. If God's spoken to your heart, if God's placed a commitment upon your heart, you have a need this morning, the altar is open. When we come to the altar, God is glorified. But not only is God glorified when we come to the altar, when we come to the altar, we become an encouragement to someone else that needs to come. If you need to come this morning, you just slip out, you come on. Jeremy and I will be here. We'll be happy to pray with you, speak with you, whatever you need may be. As the worship team leads us, you come. Let God have his way with your life.